Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Bama Online Podcast. This one's set for a Thursday afternoon, April the 7th, 2022. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, this time joined by Senior Team Reporter Charlie Potter. Does an outstanding job for us there, of course, at BamaOnline.com, keeping you up to speed on Alabama football, Alabama men's hoops. Charlie is our go-to guy without question when it comes to team-related items. And with that, Charlie, I know we're going to talk some Ajay Hall. I know we're going to talk some Jawan Gary. I know we're going to preview a little bit Saturday's scrimmage at Bryant-Denny Stadium, the Crimson Tide second of Spring Drills 2022. But it really feels like today, opening day for spring sports. And I know we've had Alabama baseball, Alabama softball. They've had some Nice runs here of late, especially in SEC play. Uh, but the Braves, our Braves, Charlie, and of course, a tradition unlike any other, the 86 playing of the Masters. Although I think you're kind of like Tim Watts. I don't think you're really golf guy, are you? I'm not. Um, you know, I, I'll play golf every once in a while. I love going to Top Golf. Of course, that's because you can get a cold beer there. But, um, for me, um, the Masters is a little different because I was actually born in Augusta. Uh, my oldest oh, sister wow. still lives in Augusta. And so you have that kind of, I don't know, the the snobby local feel of how you, know, you, you just want to stay away from Augusta this week. I think it's spring break up there now. I haven't been in, in forever. But, um, yeah, the the thing that I hear most about the, the Masters is just the, the busyness of the city. But, uh, you know, it's – it is fun though with with Tiger being back. Uh, I'm not a big golf fan, but you know he's a he's someone that when he's kind of in the limelight and and making a comeback and and doing well, uh, you know, because Twitter is just on fire. Uh, this week more so than any other when it comes to golf, there's a lot of chatter. But when Tiger's at the Masters, uh, all eyes are on that, and and that's kind of fun to watch. Needle mover, right? Yep. No doubt yep. about yep. it. When it comes to Tiger Woods, really, in just about any aspect of his life, unfortunately, in some instances, uh, that's been the case. But, yeah, without question, the story of the 2022 Masters will continue to be Tiger Woods as we move throughout the first round and perhaps into the weekend. We'll see how he holds up if he makes the 36-hole cut there at Augusta National Golf Club. Charlie, it's been newsy around Alabama athletics of late. Typically, that means perhaps some attrition, some movement where rosters are concerned. And I know you were out in front of a lot of folks with this Ajay Hall situation. I guess we could say the latest situation involving Ajay Hall because it just feels like it's been a tumultuous stretch from the get-go for 
the second year receiver from South Florida. Charlie, on Wednesday following practice, we heard from Nick Saban. Uh, he informed the the media that uh, Ajay is currently suspended. Uh, it just feels like again, it's been this sort of in and out nature. This uh, this this stretch for Ajay Hall and. Uh, what did what was your biggest takeaway, I guess, from what we heard from Nick Saban on Wednesday evening? Yeah, I was kind of surprised that he used the word suspension just because, you know, it, it, we've had these situations where players removed from the roster and then, you know, they'll be thrown back on there. It, it usually um, won't last, though. Um, you know, I made sure you know, it was brought to my attention that a job was taken off the roster. I, I made sure to check and um you know, see if it was a mistake because sometimes, you know, with moving things around, something can be, um, you know, taken off and not meant to be. But this was not a mistake. And so that was clearly noteworthy. Um, you know, we put a story up about it. And then you saw some other people kind of run with some other things. And, and we did not We just said, you know, he's removed from the roster. We'll hear from Nick Saban um, Wednesday night, which we did. And then, you know, he said he was suspended from the team for violations of some team rules. And he said whether they're academic or whatever. And um, a lot of times now when he's thrown in that or whatever, and that's a, a common phrase for him, but it, it's almost like a frustration thing for him. And again, I wasn't really expecting the suspension thing because that leaves the door open kind of for Ajay to return. But then, you know, he was asked a little later just what Ajay needs to do in order to turn his way back onto the team, back from suspension. And, you know, Nick Saban, this was the most telling thing for me that he said. He said that he's had that opportunity once, so I don't know what his plans are for the future. Yeah. And while the door may be still kind of open for him to come back, I mean, it, it seems closed and all but locked at this point. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll continue to monitor it. Uh, he's not in the transfer portal as of yet. Uh, you know, that would be maybe the, the next move I would expect unless he, you know, chooses to go back to Alabama, you know, work his way back onto the team and in good graces with Nick Saban. But, uh, yeah, you're right. This has been a roller coaster of a ride. Uh, you know, it had the, the high – uh, from last year's A-Day game, the low was obviously uh, started with the Mississippi State game last year where he put out a tweet about basically, you know, calling it quits. And then from there, it was you know, just kind of downhill. Uh, he had the performance in the national championship game with a couple drops and, you know, everything that's happened this spring. So it's it's been um, it's been a roller coaster ride for a Jai Hall. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens, but with Nick Saban's second comment last night, it, it didn't sound that positive. Yeah, I'm with you. The follow-up to the initial statement in relation to Ajay, I thought, told you, at least this is a guy working with two strikes, right? And it mm -hmm. feels like more than two, if we're being honest uh, at this point. That being said, you know, we've seen Saban hang in there with guys in the past, right? I think there's sort of this perception of Nick Saban out there that he isn't a guy that will exhaust every avenue available to him to help a young person achieve and thrive and fulfill his potential. Um, so I, I don't see this as a situation if a Jai Hall ends up moving on. Uh, it's one in which Nick Saban just gave up on a Jai Hall. I think in a lot of instances, the player almost has to just give up on the situation himself before Nick Saban ever will. No, you're right. I mean, I think back to I think I don't remember what player he was talking about, but he used the example of Musa Muhammad when he was at Michigan State. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, his reasoning behind giving these players second and third chances is, well, where do you want him to be? Would you rather him be, you know, out in the streets or would you rather him be in this facility and trying to better himself and us working with him to do that? And, I, yeah, it's I, there's a lot of ways that Nick Saban is painted uh, in the public eye. But when it comes to helping players, um, that's really his priority. And, of course, he's known as a recruiter. He's won a lot of football games. He can be a hard ass uh, at times, but he is – a guy that wants the best for the player and you've seen it with, with certain players to a fault. Sometimes I would say, I would even go as far Charlie to say to a fault. Nick Saban is hung in there with some guys. But I mean, if you're a parent of a, of a recruit and maybe your kid, you want your kid to have a a better future and and get out of the situation. This is where you take them. The talent, uh, he can pull that out of them, but it, it is, like you said, it, it's up to the player, and a lot of times they are the ones that strike out of the plate. It's not because Nick Saban is throwing fastballs. He's doing everything he can to give them opportunities to, to improve themselves. We'll see if Ajay can do that, but like you said, it, it does feel like he's, you know, it's, it's not his first time through the lineup, and uh, we'll, we'll see if it's his last. Yeah, um, you're right. With, with Nick Saban, uh, and, and you think back to some situations, unfortunately for Ajay, a lot of times too, and you, you hit on some of this with the, the designation of suspension. Uh, I've been around this long enough with Nick Saban. I think there are still some guys from like 2007 that are still suspended that we never really heard from Alabama's in that they had left the program. It just kind of happened, you know? Um, so while you, you like to, to hope anyway, that perhaps there's still a crack in that door. As you talked about, uh, there, there are certainly circumstances in the past where uh, this type of situation has ended with a uh, separation bet- between the two parties. So we'll see how that plays out for Jihal. In terms of what it means to this wide receiver rotation, Charlie, it's very interesting because you know what you've got pretty much in Jermaine Burton, the Georgia transfer coming in, and you're thankful for that right now if you're Alabama because he gives you a legitimate top-of-the-rotation guy. Uh, but with Ja'Cory Brooks out, when you look at sort of the outside positions, Treshawn Holden obviously in a good place right now uh, with, with an opportunity to really establish himself or at least show to the coaching staff that he's top three capable. Uh, but then you've got some newcomers that we've heard some positive things about as well. And one of the mistakes we tend to make on an annual basis, too, is to forget about second year guys. You know, those guys that if they don't do it in their first year, when that second year rolls around, we go, well, you know, we don't really expect much of them. But there's certainly the the possibility of a JoJo Earl or, you know, one of these other guys stepping forward as well. Yeah, you look at it. Uh, Al, if, if Jai Hall moves on, Alabama will have 11 wide receivers on the roster uh, this fall. There's eight of them on campus right now, nine if Jai sticks around. But um, it is a situation where, there's plenty of opportunities. Um, you know, I, I think Jermaine Burton's all but locked down one of those first team spots. I don't think that comes as a surprise to anybody because he wasn't brought in to be a backup. He didn't leave Georgia to to serve as a reserve at, at Alabama. But you know, Nick Saban has some good things to say about Treshawn Holden and how he's been consistent uh, through the spring, and, and that's what you want to hear from these older guys is that consistency. And uh, he also mentioned Thayu Jones Bell, which I think that's good for Thayu because. 
you know, he often gets forgotten about because you think of the new guys, you think of those second year players. And so for him to be, you know, at least in the mix from a naming standpoint, um, you know, that, that looks good for him. We'll see how it transpires, but you know, Ja'Cory Brooks, I think will obviously be in the mix in the fall. He's not available this spring because of injury, but you know, Jojo Earl did some good things in the scrimmage this past Saturday. Um, you know, Nick Saban mentioned both he and Christian Leary. I think they're you know, guys to watch in the slot, as is a guy like Aaron Anderson, the true freshman. Uh, it sounds like he did some good things in the scrimmage as well. Uh, Nick Saban actually named him immediately after Jermaine Burton. So that says a lot about, you know, what he's doing early on as a freshman and a guy like Kendrick Law coming in. Um, you know, he's someone that Nick Saban talked about his versatility. You know, he can be a guy on the outside uh, that they're looking to. So those are the guys that are on campus right now. You're obviously going to get Shaz Preston. Uh, Kobe Prentice, Isaiah Bond on campus, so you're going to get you know even more speed in that room, and and I think the receiver position has the talent. It's just inexperience, and and a Jai Hall doesn't bring a ton of experience playing in seven games, only catching four passes. So it, it's not a a huge loss if he is to move on from the program, but they're going to have to have these guys step up, and it sounds like a lot of them have been. You know, of course, a Jai Hall was the storyline of last night's press conference, so I. Ask Nick Saban just what he wants to see from that group from a mentality and a maturity standpoint. And, you know, he talked a lot about a lot of different things. And, you know, he said that some of the young guys, they've got to continue to develop and grow. But, you know, they've done some good things this spring. So I think that's promising. We'll see if they can continue to keep it up, though. Yeah. You know, and something else I had to remind myself of and thinking about the the wide receiver group right now is that. You know, we think outside guys. So Ajay Hall, 6'3", Ja'Cory Brooks, 6'2", 6'3", right? Um, more of that prototype outside receiver in terms of measurables. But when you think back to just Jalen Waddle a couple of years mm-hmm. ago, Jalen wasn't a 6'3 guy, but that didn't keep him from being on the field with Devontae Smith, right? When Alabama went with two tight ends. In other words, you think about the X and the Z positions, you get caught up in those designations and how guys fit in terms of size and skill sets. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility to think that a room right now that seems pretty heavy on what we would think of as inside receivers, slot receivers with Aaron Anderson coming into that mix. Troy, I guess the point is you got to be careful in, in terms of pigeonholing guys, right? Um, because a guy like Aaron Anderson, it sounds like, even though he is five nine ish or so, maybe has some of that ability with the ability to go up and get the football and make plays after the catch, outside type speed. Um, I have to catch myself not even now, even after seeing Waddle a couple of years ago, uh, not doing that as much. No, you're right. I think these guys can play multiple spots and you know, the the wide receiver position is kind of you start to to label players based off of their size and, and what they bring to the table. But you know the the wide receivers Alabama had that all went in the first round. They were all about six foot six one. They're not you know the big hulking receivers that you see um, like a DK Metcalf or someone like that in the NFL. So these guys can play anywhere. Um, you know when we were kind of breaking down the the wide receiver position, I think going into the spring, we had talked about maybe Jermaine Burton working some in the slot. You know, you can put yeah. uh, a Treshawn Holden and a Ja'Cory Brooks on the outside. You can move Burton maybe into the slot. I, I think that all of these guys can, can move around and work at different positions. And yeah, because you know, when you talk about two tights, 
tight end's a, a thin position for Alabama right now. And, you know, Cameron Latou is back. Uh, Robbie Utes is healthy. And beyond that, they just have Elijah Brown on scholarship. Kendall Randolph can obviously play that as that pseudo tight end. They're going to have some more guys coming in in the, this summertime. But um, it could be a situation where you have to play more wide receivers just because you don't have a lot of depth at the yeah. tight end position. And so, yeah, I, I do think you're right that – you don't look at it as X, Y, Z. These guys can play a bunch of different spots and they might have enough talented guys that they want to get these guys on the field as much as possible together. Yeah. If you are a playmaker and, and you've got the ability again to, to go get the football, uh, they're going to get you involved. Uh, and more importantly, and I think to answer your question, right, that you had for Nick Saban in terms of the wide receiver position, on Wednesday, uh, that's where the rub maybe comes in sometimes with younger receivers. Nick talking about precision in relation to route running and also the dependability that comes from that. In that, you know, your Bryce Young, you know, if the if the route calls for a you know, a, a, a corner or a, a dig route at a certain depth, uh, you want to be able to know that your guy is running that to the exact measurements that he can anyway. And so I guess that's part of it too, not just learning the playbook, but also becoming precise in the route running and uh, which leads to a trust and a dependability that goes a long way with not only the quarterback, but the guy calling the plays as well. So Charlie, as we look ahead to Saturday and the second scrimmage of spring drills for Alabama, we won't go position by position, but what I will ask you is when you look at this football team right now, where is still kind of the biggest question marks that you see for the Crimson Tide going into Saturday's work? Yeah, I think it's the offensive line. I mean, you can mention receiver, but I think we broke that down you know, pretty thoroughly just there. Um, but the offensive line, you know, they have, I think, three guys out with injuries, two of those being starters and, and Darian Dalcourt and Emil Ekior. Um, you know, Nick Saban talked about how they have about 10 or 11 guys that are healthy, that are, you know, kind of in the mix and, you know, they're having to rotate them at different spots. You know, he talked about it earlier this spring with, you know, guys working at guard and tackle, trying to figure out what spot, you know, they fit in best. And I think the offensive line is kind of coming together, but it's still, you know, TBD just because you don't have a couple of guys out there from an availability standpoint. You could add a, a guy like Tyler Steen to the roster if he chooses to commit to Alabama here in the coming days. So the, the room is kind of incomplete at the moment. But, you know, we've seen Kendall Randolph and Amari Kite work at um, left tackle with the ones. I think Kite spent a lot of time there in this past scrimmage. Uh, JV and Cohen at left guard. I think he can play both guard and tackle. And maybe that's a situation where you kick him out to, to tackle whenever Emil Ekior is healthy and you have – Damian George at one of those guard spots. Uh, Seth McLaughlin's been at center. George has been at right guard for the most part, and, and J.C. Latham at right tackle. So it's it's been you know kind of what you expect when you look at how that first team offensive line has um, played out. But it, again, it's it's a situation where this probably isn't the group we see game one against Utah State, and they need some of those young guys to continue to to progress. Tommy Brockermeyer at tackle being one. You know some other guys from a depth perspective. But, um, you know, I, I think hearing how they were able to run the ball in the first scrimmage was a little encouraging, but just kind of seeing how this offensive line continues to kind of gel and, and come together, 
that's the biggest question mark for me. Even after 10 spring practices, it'll probably be this, the biggest question mark, you know, going into preseason camp here in a few months. So that one, you can name a few, but the offensive line is kind of where it starts and maybe even stops for me. Yeah, you heard Nick Saban on Wednesday talk about the cross training that continues to go on between those guards and tackles. And, and that's a good thing, especially when you consider some potential depth scenarios for the fall. But I didn't come away from those comments thinking, yeah, he feels pretty good about knowing who his top two or three tackles really are at this point. I I didn't get that feeling. And I probably won't until we get some sort of closure on this Tyler Steen situation that, as you outlined, is expected to go down at any time now. The Vanderbilt transfer who visited Alabama a couple weekends ago uh, and is looking to uh, make his next destination known here shortly. So. Yeah, I think offensive line, I couldn't really argue with you on that one. I will say this. It's been really nice to hear some good things about Trey Sanders, hasn't it, here in the last four or five days and seeing him continue to recover from the second of two significant injuries and so much talk about Jameer Gibbs and understandably so. And uh, look, Jameer Gibbs could also prove to be part of the equation that helps you get through this wide receiver situation because of his versatility and how explosive he is, but sort of a don't forget about me stretch. It seems like for Trey Sanders here in the last week. Oh yeah, no doubt. Uh, you know, he came up Tuesday and actually spoke to us for the first time since he's been in Alabama and he was pretty open about, you know, just what's transpired the last couple seasons for him. Um, and just hearing how he dealt with that, hearing how, you know, meeting with Nick Saban gave him some hope and and that kind of built him up. And then hearing Nick Saban last night talk about uh, Trey and his resiliency and saying how he's probably never been more proud of a guy for the way that he fought through all he's been through. Um, It says a lot about the player, the way he's approached this. And yeah, you you hope for nothing but good news for, for Trey moving forward, because after dealing with the foot injury as a true freshman and then the car accident uh, that led to a a pelvis injury and several other issues for him in 2020, um, you know, he's still kind of gaining that confidence and comfortability uh, with his body and and playing football. But uh, I think the way he closed last season and now, you know, continue to build that in the spring and, and have some good performances. He had a, a pretty strong uh, showing in the scrimmage on Saturday with you know double-digit carries for nearly 75 yards. And, uh, yeah, it's just it's one of those stories that you feel good when you hear it, and you kind of hope that he is someone that continues to benefit from, from carries because it's going to be tough with – you know, Jace McClellan, Roydell Williams coming back off those injuries. Like you mentioned, Jameer Gibbs coming in some of those young guys they've added to the position. But I think Trey Sanders has set himself up from a mentality and everything standpoint to be able to, you know, be a factor in this offense come, you know, the fall. Yeah. You know, you think about it and given his status as a recruit, we could just as easily be talking about Trey Sanders in relation to the 2022 NFL draft. Couldn't we? as a three and out. And we sort of rubber stamp that with a lot of these guys when they come in with that status. Oh, three and out. But hey, football and life has plans that differ from time to time. And Trey Sanders, a perfect example of that. And, uh, you know, the way he has answered the adversity, uh, no doubt about it, has been very impressive. What about on the defensive side? I know 
Uh, Nick talked about the corners on Wednesday evening. He was asked about Kyrie Jackson and um, also Kool-Aid McKinstry. Uh, from a competition standpoint, do you think there's enough of that going on right now uh, beyond those guys? Or do you get the sense that it's still very much that duo that is almost embedded with the first team right now? Well, I think some of that has to do with Eli Ricks coming back from the injury. Um, you know, he was able to participate in the Saturday scrimmage, but he was in a black jersey. Um, you know, he had that shoulder injury that, that cut his uh, 2021 season short before he entered the transfer portal. And then, you know, Nick Saban talked about him dropping a lot of weight, which he's been trying to gain back. So I think Ricks has shown some good things. It's just they're kind of taking it slow with him. Again, he's a player just like Jermaine Burton and Jameer Gibbs. I don't think he was necessarily brought in and, and left LSU to be a reserve at Alabama. So uh, I think he's clearly a name to watch there. I think Cooley McKinstry, you can almost pencil him in as a day one starter, given he started half of the, or not half, but I think six or so games last season as a true freshman. So I think the competition at the other spot will be really interesting to watch. And and a guy that you know doesn't get brought up a lot because of the players that earned first team minutes last year and then Rick's coming in is is Terry and Arnold. You know, it sounds like he's had a good spring you know, going into his second season after not playing last year. I think he has a, a lot to prove and, and wants to prove. So I think at the corner position, if you don't cross train some guys, which it also sounds like Brian Branch has played all over the secondary, which is not new for him, but I think those are the four guys to, to really watch at the corner spot. Um, you know, McKinstry, Jackson, Ricks, and, and Arnold. And so I, I think that gives them some quality depth uh, there. I, I think defensively corner, yeah, is one of the big questions. I think inside linebacker too with, you know, who plays opposite of Henry Toa Toa. It sounds like Jalen Moody has done that for the most part. But, you know, can a guy like Deontay Lawson or another young player push him for your know, playing time there? But, you know, it's a, it's a very experienced defense. They have a ton of seniors and only a, a few spots really to fill. And uh, it sounds like they got some quality options to choose from in all of those. Let me ask you about a guy a couple of years ago that you thought at the time might be on that three and out sort of path. And that's Malachi Moore. You talked about Brian Branch and how he's emerged as that Swiss army knife that you can play at safety. You can play at corner and really took over the situation uh, at the start position in 2021. Um, I don't want to say it's a fork in the road, maybe stretch coming up for Malachi Moore, because I still think there are just too many ways this guy can help you. Uh, even if it's from a depth perspective between two or three, maybe even four different positions. Um, he has had some injury issues, as we know. Uh, where do you stand with Malachi Moore right now in terms of how important this next stretch of practices and even the start of fall camp might be for him? No, it's an important offseason. I still think he's a, at the very least a part of the dime defense. I think he can play the money or he can even play safety and allow a guy like DeMarco Hellams to move down and play money. Um, but yeah, it's a situation where Brian Branch has continued to improve. He's been available and uh, I don't see Brian Branch really coming off the field. Uh, I think Brian Branch is probably set to start as a true freshman, but you know, dealt with a little uh, injury issue or, you know, just set back in general as a true freshman going into that 2020 season which opened the door for Malachi Moore and Malachi is a smart player. I think his mm -hmm. intelligence is one of the things that helps him uh, because he was able to pick up the defense pretty quickly uh, as a summer enrollee and, and lock down a starting job when the door opened. 
But those two guys have just been kind of clashing heads in terms of uh, battling for playing time. And, you know, Brian Branch had a really strong season last year, had a really strong showing in the college football playoff. And uh, he's a sure tackler, a hard hitter, plays really well in special teams. So I think this is a big offseason for Malachi Moore. I still think, like I said, he has a place in the secondary. But um, just in terms of, of being the star, that fifth defensive back, it, it looks like Brian Branch will be that. And, and we'll see what happens from there. You're right. The versatility of Brian Branch in some ways works against Malachi Moore, right? Because he can handle so many roles. But that being said, if Branch ends up being the money in the dime uh, scenario that could play out, I guess, that maybe opens up the star for Malachi uh, when they go uh, with six defensive backs. A lot of things to consider and really just in general, a long way around saying, Alabama's in a really good spot, it looks like, between sub-package defensive backs and certainly that starting safety duo. Charlie, let's shift gears. Let's get into some men's basketball talk for the Alabama Crimson Tide. We anticipated a good bit of movement where the roster is concerned. I would say at this point, you tell me, safe to say you're looking at an overturn of at least 60% of the roster between guys that we know of that have entered the transfer portal most recently, Ja'Shawn Holt, and also in the last day or so, Jawan Gary. Then the expectation of Jaden Shackelford moving on to professional basketball, Javon Quinterly perhaps moving on after that ACL injury in the NCAA tournament, Keon Ellis, Moving on, um, where do you think we're at in terms of the 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 magnitude of the turnover? Am I? Do you think I'm about right on that? Maybe I'm even a little low. No, I mean when you look at it, um, they've had four players, scholarship players, enter the transfer portal, and in, Chiku, in Ambrose, Hilton, Holt, and Gary. If the three seniors choose not to come back from uh, to school, uh, it'll be a situation where. That's, that's three more gone, so that's seven. You have, like you said, Jaden Shackelford making his NBA draft uh, declaration and saying he's going to hire an agent. Uh, and then J.D. Davison, the expectation is he will enter the draft and probably stay in it. That's nine players. So, you know, nine out of uh, 13, that's a big chunk. Um, and then, you know, at, Noah Gurley is going to come back. Uh, Charles Bediaco should be back. We'll see what happens with Darius Miles. I think that's one you think he's coming back, but you never know. I think he and, and Jawan Gary were kind of the same boat of kind of toss-ups of whether, you know, just from a, a, a theoretical standpoint, if they were going to return or into the transfer portal. And with the five players coming in, you have uh, essentially eight on the roster. So that opens up um, plenty of spots for Nate Oates and company to – you got a five-man class coming yeah. in, and then you're still working the portal, as we've seen. I guess uh, Jalen Llewellyn, the guard from Princeton, has been connected to Alabama. Uh, Mark Sears, a potential transfer addition from Ohio, originally from Muscle Shoals, uh, at the guard position. And, um, you know, when I think about some of these guys that have gone in the portal, I sort of associate them with other players on the roster. For example, when I saw Jason Holt went in the portal, I thought, well, that probably means Darius Miles is hanging around. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. same kind of guys. Jawan Gary going in the portal. Well, Noah Gurley, we anticipate being back. 
the same kind of position. Um, and look, maybe in this era, that means nothing. But I, I still have a tendency to do that, if that makes any sense. No, it does. And, you know, I, I think with GQ and Ambrose Hilton, the writing was on the wall there just because they didn't play a ton uh, this past season. Jason Holt obviously had the the issue late in the year. That wasn't much of a surprise. And you would expect kind of one of those wing players maybe to hit the portal. And that happened with Jawan Gary. You have Betty Ako, Gurley, um, potentially Miles, and, and then a lot of people forget about Namari Burnett. Yeah. Out. With the five-man class, that's nine players. You have four spots open. So you, you look at what they they lost and then what they could potentially target. They have to, Like you, you pointed out, they probably need to go out and get a point guard with Javon Quinterly likely moving on. You can never have enough scorers and shooters. And they've obviously made a point of emphasis on the guard spot. And you can add a big to this rotation, no doubt, um, because I think Charles Bediaco will benefit from another year in the program. But – can always use some some muscle down low but it, it is a it, it's tough to keep track of i know it's nice <laughs> it's some players but it's uh it's been a busy and and, and hectic off season clearly we've got some nba draft decisions still to be made but um nato's and company are, are reworking this this roster and i think some of it too is with everything that he said about last year and the things that were clearly uh visible you want to kind of reestablish that culture. And, you know, if some guys didn't play a factor into that or maybe hurt that in some way, then you find them somewhere else to go. And then you go out and, and get guys that one fit your system, but two, you will buy into the culture and, and do the things that you want to do from a consistency and an effort standpoint. So it'll be a, it'll be fascinating to see what happens from a transfer um, perspective, but yeah, it's uh they've got four open spots right now and, and they've been pretty busy in terms of just reaching out to some of these guys that have hit the portal. Guys are smart, man. They know where they're at in the pecking order and you know what else they know? They know who's coming in. So like even mm-hmm. if you're a guard or a four in this uh, on the roster, and you know they're bringing in a five-star wing in Brandon Miller, you know, they're bringing in some five starish like guards and Jaden Bradley on the ball and Ryland Griffin at the shooting guard position. And if you're a four, you know, they're bringing in a Juco and Nick Pringle. So, um, you know, you start adding some things up now, sometimes, uh, that, that's, that's a misfire on behalf of the player. Uh, maybe they read a little too much into that, but yeah, you know, you're you're pretty sure that all these sort of things go into the thought process for a existing roster member and and how they're thinking about their future in this era of the one-time transfer rule. Well, Charlie, as always, appreciate the time, and I just wanted to reaffirm on behalf of the BamaOnline.com staff, and certainly as we saw on the roundtable. Uh, our subscribers and continuing to send our thoughts and prayers to you and your family following the passing of your mother uh, a couple weeks ago. And uh, man, we just uh, can't express enough the the condolences that uh, we want you and and your family to, to feel from your, your Bama online family. No, I appreciate that. I appreciate everybody, you know, sharing their thoughts and well wishes on the board on Twitter, wherever it was, um, you know, my dad reads the board, so he, that's been special for him too. And, uh, no, I, I joked with, or on the, the thread that the people were talking about, there's probably plenty of people that had some random lady approach them, 
um, whether you know at a doctor's office in public, whatever, anybody that was wearing Alabama gear or talking about Alabama football, should always just butt in and, and ask if if they read BOL and, and read my work. So um, you know, she's been a good free advertisement for us and uh no it's uh it's been a rough couple weeks but everybody you know reaching out and and you know saying everything they've said it's been greatly appreciated by me by my dad and the rest of my family so appreciate that guys yeah absolutely bless uh mrs potter you and and your family no no doubt about that so with that for charlie potter travis schreier thanking you once again for joining us here on the bama online podcast Hang out with us there at BamaOnline.com. You're going to find us uh, mostly at the Roundtable, the premium message board of choice for Alabama fans around the world. Once again, for Charlie Potter, Travis Schreier, thank you. We'll talk to you again real soon. Until next time, so long, everybody. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.